We doing all right? Yeah, good. I'm Josh. Uh, I'm one of your pastors. Love you guys. So uh, we're going to start things out a little different today. Uh, we're actually going to play a game here. So I need um, I need a couple of volunteers, preferably three married couples. All right. I'm, I need three married couples. All right. Come on. Help me out. First service. I had to pull some teeth here. OK, let's get Drew and Kimber. I think I saw another volunteered couple right next to Drew and Kimber. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah. All right. Childresses, Drew and Kimber, come on up. We need you up here. And we need one more. We need one more couple. Yeah. Can, can we actually, can we get an older couple? I need, I need an older couple. Uh, I'm, all right. Come on up. Come on up. Let's get the flamings. Get on up here. All right. Flamings, come on up. All right. Um, now let me ask you a question. How, how is your marriage? Right. Just just in general, how are you doing? Are you are you, you know, kind of struggling right now? Are things hard Are things fantastic? I mean, we're all over the place. Um, so we're actually going to ask these guys uh, individually how. No, I'm joking. We're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> it could be quite revealing uh, individually. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you. Well, let's get some names out here. So we are the Flamings, Flamings. Childresses. Childresses. And satyrs. All right. So uh, here's here's what you're going to do. You're going to go somewhere in this room. You know, it doesn't matter where um, as long as you stay in the room. Uh, don't don't go in the closets over here, but but choose somewhere and go there and stand there like you can. You can stay together. You can split up whatever you need to do. Just just do it. You got 15 seconds. So go somewhere in the room. Go ahead. Whatever you want, whatever you want. And uh, this will be a representation of the health and well-being of your marriage. So just just no pressure. Go wherever you need to go. And you got to stay standing. You can go in the middle of the aisle. You can go in the back, front, I mean, anywhere you want. All right, interesting. Okay. So we got, we got some people over here in the back and over here. So um, all of a sudden, we got fire, right? Fire, I just, we're just imagining this place erupts in fire. The roof gets torn off. I mean, literally, this place is ablaze. And there's one way to get out of here. We got one door. We got one exit. And that's that door. All right. Flamings. Good job. You chose you chose wisely. Which Flamings. I don't know. Like Anyway, so fire. You got that door um, in this moment. This this does represent where we are. And we're going to we're going to call that door a lot of things today. That door will say is holiness. That door is the final stage of sanctification. That door is our entrance into eternity. That door is is new Eden. That door is life with Christ. That door is a lot of things. So in the moment that we found out that this place has erupted in fire, um, this is not the moment to say why in the world are we where we are? Right? It's, it's not the time to, to argue about, I can't believe we decided to, to be over here, or, or you moron, why'd you lead me this way? We, we have one thing that needs to be on our mind, and what is that? How do we get to the door? Right? How do we get that way? And, and, and as we've come in here, we are all over the place in terms of our marriages. Some of us are close to holiness. Some of us are closer to holiness than others. Right. But but as we've walked in, what, what I've what I'm contending is it does not matter the way you walked in. It doesn't matter if, you know, maybe you're over here and your spouse is over here right now. Maybe things are that hard. What matters is how are you going to get each other and go out through that door? 
Because you can be close to holiness and you can be wandering around facing and going in the wrong direction and you're not headed towards holiness. So as a couple, as a, as a marriage, what we want to get after is directionally through holiness. That's what we are wanting to do. So you guys can grab a seat, sit down. Thank you. You guys did good. You did good. Today we're, we're going to be talking about this, this path. How, how we recognize where we are. Right? Some of us are closer to that door than others, but we need to recognize that our calling is to directionally get to that door. That's what we're doing. That's what we're about. Um, we're going to look at two things primarily uh, in marriage, uh, grace and truth, how the two of those play out um, in our journey towards getting uh, to that door. We're going to talk about repentance, about forgiveness. Um, the best marriages are marriages that are full of, of these words. Sorry, I forgive you. I was wrong. Would you, would you help me um, get back on the path that we need to get on towards holiness, towards Christ, towards new Eden? Right, so so a healthy marriage is full of these things. We're gonna get into that today. So let's let's pray. Let's ask God to to move and work, and then we're gonna get into uh, some text here. Uh, would you bow your heads with me, Heavenly Father? I I need you uh, to bring clarity to your word today. Um, God, I've I've got thoughts. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I need you to settle things down and just bring us where you want to take us. God, I would ask that um, for those of us in here who are married, who have come in, who, who we're all at different stages, at different phases, we're, we're doing well, we're struggling, we're, we're thinking about separating, Lord, but that through this all you would realize, or you would help us to realize that you will walk with us through the debris, through falling timbers, through the flames to get us towards holiness, to get us towards you, to get us towards the new Eden. God, we are in much need of you. I pray that as a people, um, as a congregation, that we would learn to follow you, that we would learn to say, I'm sorry, that we would learn to, to take initiative and lead into directional uh, purpose after you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so if, you, if you've been here the last you know, month, if you've been paying attention in the last three, four minutes, we've been, we're talking about marriage. Right. That's that's what this whole series is about. We still have this graphic up here. So um, we've really been in the first parts of Genesis, looking at Genesis chapter kind of one, two and three. Today, we're going to be in Genesis three and a half. And that's not halfway through Genesis three. That's this chapter that I am uh, inventing in between three and four. So I've never done this before. And part of me feels like I am going against everything I learned in seminary. But we're just going to try it today. Um, I don't know how well it went first service. Hopefully this service, it goes a little bit better. But uh, Genesis three and a half, we're looking uh, really at some of you going on. <laughs> um, we're, we're looking at really what happened from from the fall to all of a sudden they're having kids because we went from this perfect relationship in the garden to wham, they're having kids. And so we want to look at, well, what took place? Like, how, how do we make this transition? What must have it, uh, like, how did Adam and Eve feel going from perfect relationship to all of a sudden, wow, there's, there's sin in our relationship? How do they deal with that? What do we, what do, we do knowing the fact that, that we are broken people headed towards holiness together in friendship through Christ? That's what we want to do. So kind of recapping where we've been, uh, we started saying that, man, the Bible has a lot to say about marriage. It starts out, the book of Genesis says God creates, he creates man, he creates woman, he creates us equally, he creates us brilliantly, he stamps his image on us, and at the height of the creation of account, we have a marriage between the first man and the first woman. 
And then at the very end of the Bible, so you go 66 books later, you go to the very end, you go to the the last part of Revelation, we have another marriage between uh, Jesus Christ and his church. That would be you and I. We have the the final uh, bringing together of Christ and the church. So the Bible has a lot to say about marriage. It's filled with stuff about marriage. It's It's a very important relationship. Outside of our relationship with Christ, uh, marriage is the most important relationship that we have, that we need to foster, that we need to nurture, that we need to care for. It's very important. Um, I want to say this also, that, that there are some of us in this room who are not married, and that's, that's okay. I, like, I know it's been kind of awkward in the last three, four weeks we've been talking about marriage, and you might feel like you're on the outside. Um, I do want to say this. The most holy, perfect, sanctified uh, man who lived with more life and more vitality and more freedom um, was a single man. His name was Jesus. You ever heard of him? Um, so he was single. He, he lived a better life than you and I will ever live. Um, marriage, we've talked about this, is it's a shadow of something else. So while we're taking care of the shadow, primarily for us singles and for us married folk, we need to be focusing on our relationship with Christ first and foremost. So we've got to get that. So if you're single, I don't know, you might have an argument that you're closer to Christ than us married people, but it's important that we focus on our relationship with Christ first and foremost. That is absolutely important. You're not missing out um, because, you know, on this earth we're going to celebrate, you know, some of us 40, 50, 60, maybe 70. Anyone, anyone know anyone who's been married 70 years? Right? Maybe, maybe. But, you know, in glory, 70 years, you're not even outside of stanza one of amazing grace. Right? I mean, we got a long way to go that has nothing to do with marriage when we get to heaven. So let's just keep those things in perspective as we've been talking a lot about marriage. Just want us to kind of own that. But back to marriage, it was God's plan. From the very beginning, God creates marriage. He creates man. He creates woman. Um, and his idea is a monogamous, single husband-wife relationship for the purpose of, of cultivating, of leading, of taking care of, and filling and subduing the earth. That was his plan from the very beginning. It was not an accident. Um, We looked at how marriage is not simply a byproduct of trying to create uh, some sort of system in which we can identify offspring by. Right? It's not a property rights issue. It's from the beginning sanctioned by God. God says, no, marriage is my institution. He from the beginning officiated it. He's all about it. He's, he, he's not just sitting back. He says, no, this is, this is my plan from the beginning. Um, we also looked at how culturally things have shifted in the last 30, 40, 50 years, particularly in views of younger people towards marriage as a whole. You know, we looked at my generation, and I'm kind of on the, the very upper end of the millennial generation. This would be people born in the 80s uh, through the 2000s. And their belief in marriage as a whole, um, four out of ten say it doesn't need to exist. Right? That, that marriage is, is no longer necessary in our society. Well, things are going to get real interesting pretty quick here once my generation takes over. Right? Once we are the ones who are, who are setting policy, who are setting law, like if four out of ten are saying we don't need marriage at all, we don't need it, it's, it's, it's a moot point by now. And that, that's going to change some things. So, so we need to understand, being the church, what God's intention for marriage is. Um, there's, there's a lot at stake here. Marriage is very, very important. And God, God didn't have to create it like this. He didn't have to create male, female. He could have created us as asexual beings. We didn't need to be in a relationship like this. God could have created five, six, ten, twenty different sexes. But God creates two. He creates man. He creates woman. We talked about how the reason that God creates two for, um, is for the purpose of covenant. 
to be in relationship with one another as a representation of Christ in the church, which is why when we break that covenant, whether it's adultery, whether it's divorce, that is really painful. You don't have to be a Christian to experience that pain because we know that, that God created us to not break that covenant. We are people who are created to, to display God's covenant love for the world through marriage. And that, that goes out across all peoples. Um, we also looked at the fact that we have roles in marriage, right? That, that we are created absolutely equally, yet absolutely different in terms of our roles. We have different parts to play. And, and while we may um, not like that, um, it's kind of confusing because I, I think this is a great thing. I think we should celebrate this. I, I like to think of it kind of like a dance. You know, you look at two people dancing. Uh, first of all, you need two. You need two to dance. And you've got this beautiful picture of, of someone leading and someone following. You've got someone doing the twirls and the loops. And you've got someone holding them up. But every once in a while, like, people want to reverse those roles. And that just gets hard when you've got, like, a 100-pound person trying to hold up the 300-pound person. So, uh there's a lot of analogy in that, but basically sometimes we want each other's roles. And God says, no, I've created you as equal, but we've got roles to play. It's good. It's important. Uh, we also looked at how oftentimes we want to fight against those roles and how hard it is to cultivate, to rule, to lead what God has called us to lead. Because what we have been called to rule and cultivate, that oftentimes fights against us. So whether that's leading our children, you know, we, we've got this great plan. I want to lead and love my children. But now all of a sudden, because of the fall, they're fighting back against that. Right. And where you want to lead and love your wife, but now all of a sudden she's fighting against you. And where you want to honor and submit and love your husband and co-partner with him, all of a sudden he's dominating over you. And we looked at, man, that's hard. That's a hard way to live. But we also looked at Christ saying, I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to be with you. You're not alone. I love you. We looked at the end of First Peter, Second Peter where he says, I care about you. We're going, to, we're going to walk through this life together, through this door called holiness, called uh, chaste, called uh, the new Eden. And I'm going to help you get there. It's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. I love it. I want to help you get there. So then uh, today we're looking at really the transition, the transition between what happens after the fall and how that really affects marriage, because it affects it in a mighty way. So if you've got a Bible, let's go Genesis 3, uh, verse 20. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So Genesis 3, verse 20. This is uh, after fall. This is uh, after uh, sin enters humanity. Uh, this is after we see God's first act of grace towards Adam and Eve. Remember, the promise was, if you eat this, you will, you will die. And God doesn't kill them. So his first act of mercy, his first act of grace is saying, no, I, I'm going to give you my son. He'll die for you. Um, we see that promised in 315. But here we are in 320. Uh, this is the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. There's another act of, of grace and compassion. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. We're going to keep going into chapter 4. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. All right, so for us Western minds, um, 
this this is a big jump to make, isn't it? Like there's there's a massive chasm between pre-fallen life. We've got perfection over here. We've got hanging out in the garden, eating fruit, just enjoying life together. Um, to now, <laughs> to now. Um, post-fallen life. We've got sin that's entering the world. So now we have um, really a dynamic within the relationship that is extremely hard to adjust to, right? So we've got to imagine how this played itself out. So, so now when, when Adam and Eve are relating to one another, uh, now when Adam asks Eve, he says, so where you been? Um, she has the capacity to lie to him. Like, and not only does she have the capacity, but she might have motive. So he might say, so where you been? She might say, well, I've been hanging out with the bunnies. Like when in reality, she was hanging out with the monkeys and she knows that he doesn't like it when she's hanging out with the monkeys because she comes back all honoring, all getting up in his hair and stuff. But, but now there's, there's just different things at play here, which earlier weren't at play, right? So, so now when uh, Eve tells Adam, so uh, how does this new uh, leopard skin skirt that God gave me make me look? Now he's got to think about it for a second. Like, oh, what's she really asking? Like before, before in sinless life, I can, I can just, there's no sin. Like she's not going to get mad. But if I don't answer this right, like we might have problems or, or now when uh, I want to give her something nice for her birthday and, uh, and I think that she wants blueberries, I can bring her blueberries and maybe she really wanted raspberries. I don't know. Like, ah, it's, this is a, it's a big transition, right? From, from sinless life to post-fallen sinful humanity. Sorry, Adam and Eve. Honeymoon's over. Reality's here. How do we, how do we deal with this in life? And, and I believe that every couple, every, every man and woman who finds themselves in relation experience a bit of this. We, we have this period which, which we'll just call it the honeymoon. We'll just call it bliss, if you will. And it's just this euphoric feeling of everything's fantastic. There's no problems at all. Everything's just wonderful, right? And this period can last, you know, in some relationships a couple days. You know, hopefully a couple of weeks, some a couple of months, some a couple of years even. You know, I, I remember um, the first year of my dating anniversary. I'm probably 19 years old or so. Looking back and, and, and in the moment thinking, man, this is so easy. Like this is, this is the easiest thing in the world. Why can't every relationship look like ours? You know, like we never, we never fight. Like nothing ever goes wrong. We never have arguments. Like I literally remember feeling that after our first anniversary. And I'm, we're still in, in kind of this, this pre-Eden phase where we're all, all about, uh, you know, I don't care what I want. What do you want? Well, I don't care what I want. What do you want? And, and very quickly, uh, something changes to where we're now, uh, no, I, I actually really care about what I want. Um, and I don't really care as much about what you want. And that changes quickly. Particularly in marriage when you're, uh, when you go to living single separate lives into living, uh, under one roof. You know, you can't hide in the house. It's very difficult to do. We, we, we have this moment when we realize in marriage where we're not in Eden. We can't go back to Eden. We've been kicked out. There's no way to get back in. And, uh, the whole place is on fire. We gotta, we gotta go somewhere. We have a goal in marriage now. We gotta, we gotta get towards holiness. We gotta get towards Christ. We gotta get towards, we'll just call it the new Eden. Philippians 3 says we, we press onward. We press upward with Christ towards God. And that's, that's our new movement. That's our new call in new reality. It, it's no longer everything's easy. It's, no, this, this actually gets hard. 
if, if we knew going in that marriage was actually this journey, this, this movement from, wow, where, where we are right now, it's, it's kind of painful. Things are hard. If we knew that, then when, when things got hard, we'd be ready to fight for each other, not with each other. We'd be ready to say, okay, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to give you a lot of grace here because we need grace if we're ever going to get through that door. And we need the Holy Spirit to move in our relationship to get us to that point. So how do we get there? How do we do this? How, what is our job? What's our role? What's God's role? What's the Spirit's role in all this? We're going to look at um, how we're called to be like Christ here. How we're called to both in truth and in grace lead towards that door. Especially now that we are in the new reality. We look to Christ as an example, right? We, we saw that our example um, is to, to love like Christ did. We know that he initiated. We know that he gave his life. We know that he loved and he led. And how do we do that? How do we do what Christ did? In, uh, in John 1.14, we, we read that the word became flesh. Right? He made his dwelling among, among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of two things. Anyone remember? Full of grace and Truth, right? So Christ came to initiate, to lead, to, to sacrifice, and he came in two things, in grace, and he came in truth. The truth that we need to understand is, man, this place is on fire. The truth is we can't go back to the old Eden, we've got to go to the new Eden, and we need grace to get there. So how are we going to do this? Um, we're going to spend our time looking at grace and truth, um, starting with truth. I think truth is important. We need to look at the truth of, of, of this reality of, of what it looks like to be married. Um, the truth of what we need in marriage, because we all need different things. We all need to be loved. We all give and receive love very differently. So how do we do that? We're going to look at that, and then we're going to look at this idea of repentance and forgiveness. All right, so, so what is marriage? You've got, you've got a man, you've got a woman, you've got a guy who's you know, 27, 28, I think 20, 28 around there, 29 is when guys uh, first get married. And um, you, you've got a guy who's been living with five, six, ten roommates, and he's probably living in a garage making 11K a year. Um, and then you've got, you've got this girl. Uh, we'll call her a woman because she's probably 25, 26, 27. Um, she's been out of the house for a while. She's got a little sen- a sense of independence. She's been telling guys no for 10 years. And now all of a sudden they're put under one roof, and God says, go for it. Right? Be married. Like, enjoy this relationship. And very quickly... The, the, the bliss goes away, doesn't it? We realize, like, wow, we're, we're not perfect anymore. You can't hide in a house. No matter how big it is, I don't care if you've got 4,000 square feet, you ain't hiding in there, right? But let's be honest, most of us are in 700 in that first couple years, and that's really hard to hide, right? Stuff comes out very quickly. Like, I remember, um, really in the first couple weeks of marriage, uh, after, after I'd get out of the shower, I'd, I'd grab a towel, right? And I'm just, I'm drying off my towel, and my wife would look at me, and she'd be like, uh, where'd you get that towel? Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's hanging on the, the towel rack. Like, it's, they're there. It's a towel. You use it to dry it off. And my wife said, well, that's not your towel. Like, what do you mean that's not my towel? The, the, there's the shower. There's the rack. There's the towels. You grab a towel. She's like, no, 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 no. That's not your towel. She looks at me. She's like, I know where that towel's been. I'm like, what do you mean? I just took a shower. It's clean, right? Come on. Just give me a break. Like, so when I grew up or, or with the guys, it's like, if there's a towel, you use it. No one really cares. Like, you smell it. It's, it's not discolored. It's, it's clean. It's fair. It's like, okay, we use the towel. But in marriage, like, very quickly, like, you realize, no, 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 no. We, we, got, we got a lot of differences here. We got some serious differences here. But, but it's not just as, as stupid as things like towels. Like, I understand that's a very silly example. Right, it goes much deeper than that, even to the effect that where, where the things that we love about this person, 
right? Where, where, where my wife, she loves my vitality. She loves my drive. But it didn't take her long to realize that, Josh, you are not the savior of the world. And the things that I love about you will at times not only war against me, but, man, you can use those to really hurt me. And that does not take that long. It happens very quickly. But again, we remember that what is marriage? It is you find out where you are and you head in the direction. So in the last seven years, as of next week, um, hopefully we went from that side of the room uh, closer to that door. Right? And that is purely by God's grace. There's been a lot of grace. There's been a lot of forgiveness. There's been a lot of repentance in there. But hopefully we are moving towards that together. But we know that going in. The truth is we know that we're on this journey. The truth is we know that we got to get there. And the truth is we know that we need Christ to get there. Have we made some big advances? I, I hope so. Do we got a long way to go? Yeah. Yeah, we've got a long way to grow. The second thing is, is uh, in, in marriage, it's true, it's absolutely true that we need to be loved, don't we? Like, don't we need to feel love? Like, like in our relationship, we absolutely need to be loved. If, if you have any shot at making it through that door, then you've got to be loved, right? But here's where it gets tricky, is we, is we give love and we receive love very differently, don't we? Right, so if you drive off of, uh, you know, double AA, A, triple A batteries that your spouse is always throwing diesel on you, hoping that you'll get going, like that's, that's a problem, isn't it? Is this too much analogy? Um, that, that, that becomes a problem. Like it costs a lot of money. Diesel's expensive. Someone's going to get burned. Right? But you got to figure out, you got to ask your spouse, so, so how do you receive love? Ask them that. Ask them, ask them often because what happens sometimes is, is we think as a spouse that we're giving love. Like I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm, I'm buying you Starbucks every day. But if she doesn't like Starbucks and she just wants a note every once in a while, then you constantly giving her Starbucks and never giving her a note is not showing you that you love her. So we need to, within our own context, because we're all very different people, we all give and we all receive very differently, we all need to understand what those needs are. And here's, here's the most frustrating part in all this. Um, they change constantly, don't they? So like last week when the wife says, well, just take me out to dinner. If you took her out to dinner next week, you're just boring and repetitive, right? So you, you, we don't have instruction manuals. That's like, you can't just look on page 107 to figure out, well, what do they need to fill them? You got to ask them and you got to ask them again. And you got to ask them again. and You got to ask them again. We need to know what fills one another. We need to know how we are loved. Um, Ask one another, hey, honey, what, what is it that I can do every week that will show you that I, love, that I love you and I care about you? It's important. We need to be having those conversations. We can't just assume them because we assume them for a little while. And again, things change. We've we got to keep going. We've got to keep moving. That's why we're going towards the door. So how do you give and receive love? We're going to look at three areas in particular, um, which I think are much needed in terms of giving and receiving uh, love. The first one is through affection. We need to be affectionate. right? I I love it when I see people holding hands. I'm just I'm just going to throw this out there like it is good. Get yourself some arm holding and some hand holding. That's that's good in marriage. Right. And I don't buy I really don't buy the well, I'm just not that touchy feely. Right. Some people will say that. And here's your only out. If you did that when you were first dating, then okay, you've gotten out. But I, I would doubt anyone in here when you're like 17, 18 years old, when someone wants to hold your hand, you're like, ah, I'm not very touchy-feely. Right? I, just, I just don't think that ever happened. But if that, is, like, if that is true, then I'll give you a free pass. Like You can never hold hands if that's just not who you are, but I don't think that's true. 
right? And, and I'm going to say something that might make some of you like a little bit antsy, but I'm paid for that. So um, kiss each other, right? In front of people occasionally. I'm not saying just go at it, but like kiss each other in front of your kids. It's good. And when they get grossed out, oh, mom and dad, get a room. Tell them you have one, right? Like... That's good. It's good for the family. And, and here's why that's good. I know, like, I'm glad my parents aren't here today. But um, here's why it's important. Because our whole media, our whole society says that, that love is seen and shown through physical affection. Yet when they don't ever see that from mom and dad, they're going to look somewhere else for their example of what a healthy marriage is like. Right? And obviously that's not everything. That's a very small, small part of it. Like, I fully understand that. That is trivial, but it's important, I think, also. It's important to, to show one another through physical touch that you do love and care for one another. Um, another way that you show uh, love is not simply by, by touching, but it's, but it's by, uh, I'll just say, small gift giving, whether that's notes, whether that's a small gift, uh, whether that's cards. You know, it, it shows like, hey, I've, I've been thinking about you outside of just uh, my my current reality. It's like when I'm at work, I'm thinking about you. So I wrote you a card and I brought it to you. We, we give and receive affection very differently. And we need to know what our spouses need. Right, there's, I'm going to give you two examples of, of different ways that we show affection and receive affection. And both, I'll say this, both um, identical facts take place. The same thing happens in both scenarios. Um, but in, for one family, this might work. And for another family, this might work. And you've got to figure out in your family which one works. So in this scenario... We've got a husband and wife. You both come home from work. You're just dead tired. Just, man, long day. Um, you want to go out to dinner? Yeah, let's go out to dinner. It'd be fun. Let's go. I don't know. Where do you want to go? You want to go to Applebee's? Uh, let's go here. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's go to, uh, let's go to Applebee's, right? So we're going to Applebee's. Uh, we get to Applebee's. We get a nice seat and, and we're just talking, talking about the day. How's your week going? Your, your week going all right? Yeah, good. My week's going good. Um, you know, and you start saying some nice things about one another. Like, man, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the way that you've spoken life into my week. I really appreciate the way that you, uh, mother our children. I really appreciate the way you father our children and, and you're, uh, really, um, saying some, some really encouraging things to one another. That's good. You know, on the way home, you're driving and, uh, and your wife says, hey, can we stop and get this purse I've been wanting to get? And you're like, okay, let's do it. So, so facts are that you went out to dinner. You both went out. You said some really nice things to one another. And uh, you spent some coin and got a purse, right? So that's the fact. So for some people, uh, I'll say most guys, that might, you might see that as like, man, I'm really pouring into this marriage. Right? Took her out to dinner, said some nice things, dropped some coin. That's good. Right? So then over here... Um, in this scenario, we've got a to- we have the exact same facts. You end up going to dinner. You end up saying nice things about each other. But here's how it goes down. The night before, uh, the guy writes a note. And he says, honey, I really love you. And I want to show you that I love you. I want to take you out to dinner tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Be ready. Right? You slip that under the coffee pot. All right? Wife wakes up. She sees that. Oh, she's excited. She knows that her husband's been thinking about her. Um, she, she gets home. She's excited. They're ready to go. So he says, hey, we got a plan. I'm taking you. This is where we're going to go. You get to the place, you get to the restaurant, you, he pulls out a card there. And in the card, the same things are said. The same things. I love you. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the way you've been pouring into your kids. I really appreciate uh, how hard you're working at your job. I really appreciate the respect that you give me. And in the card is also 50 bucks. It says, I know you've been wanting this purse. Here's, uh, here's a nice gift because uh, I want you to have this. Same facts. Exactly the same thing. You went out to dinner, right? You, you said some nice things to one another. And you drop some coin over here, same thing. But, but there's a difference in how we give and receive affection over here because someone over here might, might, might need that a little more. Huh, ladies? 
I'm trying to help you out here. Thank you. Right. And I'm trying to encourage myself, like as I'm writing this sermon, just thinking like, man, I got a lot of work to do. You know, just, but this is good. It's, it's important. We, we, we give and receive very differently. The second way that we uh, show love is through service. Uh, Philippians 2, one of my favorite verses, i got a lot of favorite verses, uh, is let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right, so in this marriage, if we are going to have a shot at making it through that door, that's the new Eden, that's holiness, that is new life with Christ. If we're going to have a shot with that, then we have to think about the interests of one another. We start this out by, by participating in one another's lives. See, oftentimes, uh, especially in, in our day and age, we, we live, um, I would say, parallel lives in that we're both kind of going the same direction, but we're on kind of separate tracks. Um, let's be honest, like most of us have different jobs. We're, we're at different work sites. We engage and interact with different people. Um, so serving and getting a part of their life um, really takes some cognitive um, thought to get into, how's your life going? How? How are your coworkers? How's your job? What's going on over here? What are you struggling with? What, what, what drives you over here? Like we need, we need to make it a, a regular practice of asking one another, how's life going? You need, you need to know about their life. You need to get into their life. It's really important. It's a great way to, to serve the other person. Another way, and, and I think that this gets overlooked in kind of the, the service category, but it's your willingness to change and adapt a behavior that your spouse is constantly telling you to stop. Right, so whatever it may be, whether it's like, man, could you just pick up your stinking towel? Whether it's like, could you help out around the house? Could you, could you take the kids occasionally? Like, if your spouse is constantly telling you the same thing again and again and again, a great way to serve them is by changing your behavior to meet some of those needs. That shows, like, I'm thinking about you, I care about you, and I understand, like, it takes a while sometimes, doesn't it? Right? Sometimes it takes a couple of years, but I would hope that in this journey towards holiness that we're moving forward with that, that you're saying, yeah, I do value what you have to say, I do value the things that you value, and I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to serve and actually change some of my behavior so that your needs will be met in this area. I think it's really important, it's really good. Also, I'll say this, uh, serve your spouse by giving them the time that they need. Like this is, a, this is an interesting area and not one I'm going to spend much time on, but, but we all have different needs in terms of our personal space and time. You know, especially if, if we're more on the introverted side of things, we need some downtime. We, we are refueled when we are alone. So we need to figure out what needs our spouse has and give them the space to have those needs. So whether that's 10 minutes alone when they get home from work or whether that's 20 minutes a day to call their mom, whatever it may be, help give them the time and the space that they need. It's important. Lastly, I'll say that we, we serve one another by standing up for them, by by. By being their advocate. Remember, in this home, you know the other person better than anyone else in the world. Right? You know their needs, you know their hurts, you know their desires. You need to be the person who they can count on at all times. Who's going to be there for them, who's going to stand up for them, both physically and with your speech. You don't cut them down. You don't cut them down in front of the kids. You don't cut them down in front of their friends. You are there for them. You stand up for them. You guard them. You protect them. It's really important in terms of serving and showing love through that attitude. The last way I think that this is important is, uh, is we show love through friendship. Right? Friendship is so important in a marriage. Again, I think that this is something that gets overlooked sometimes. I think it's important that we are really good friends with our spouses. 
Solomon has a lot to say about this uh, in his book, Song of Solomon. Uh, we're going to read it just for a second, and this will be fun here. I want you to, if you have a spouse here, I want you to turn and look at them. And if you don't, find someone sitting next to you and turn and look at them. I'm just joking. Don't do that. But find someone in your mind, uh, and you think about them. So to look at your spouse, this could get awkward, but this is, this is kind of fun at the same time. Um, all right, I'm reading. This is... This is um, from the voice of a wife to her husband. So, so just follow along here. This is Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 5. All right? This should be good. Just look into each other's eyes as I read this. All right, this is affection time. I want to see eyes looking at one another. All right, his cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. All right, keep looking. Come on, I'm, I want to see eyes looking at one another. This is good. His lips are like lilies, dripping of liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold, set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphire. All right, if you're embarrassed now... I didn't read the ladies section. I'd have to fire myself if what we read about the ladies. So I'm being generous here. Okay, verse 15. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. He is altogether desirable. All right now, maybe you're not quite the chiseled alabaster that we read of here. Maybe, maybe the, the, the polished ivory has gotten a bit dull, but in the end... He follows with, or she follows with this verse. And this verse is super important. He says, this, this person who I'm talking about, this is my beloved and this is my friend. This is my friend. All those things are going to come. They're going to go. Like he's clearly talking about someone when they're 19 years old. They don't look like that when they're 60. But beloved and friend, man, that stays forever. Do you have a beloved? Do you have a friend? Right? Your spouse should be your absolute best friend. So do what it takes to cultivate that friendship. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. Any good friendship is built over a lot of experience together through a lot of time. So give the time necessary to create that friendship. That's really important in terms of, of the truth of what we need. We need a friend. And then moving on. We need not just truth in marriage. That, that is truth in what we need. That is truth in what we are. Uh, we need grace in marriage. Man, we need a lot of grace. And this, this has to happen on both ends. This, there has to be a lot of give and there has to be a lot of take in terms of constantly coming at each other with forgiveness, constantly coming at each other with repentance. We're going to look at these two ideas of, of repentance and then forgiveness. And then we're going to wrap things up. So repentance. First of all, repentance starts with confession. This is confession with your mouth, and this is confession with your mind. All right, so this is coming to your spouse and saying, love, I'm, I'm really sorry. And it's important that we actually say it. Like, I, I'm going to say it again. It's important that we confess with our mouth and that, we, and that we actually believe it with our mind, that we believe what we're saying. They need to hear it. Your kids need to hear it. If you, if you uh, do something wrong in front of your kids, your kids should see a constant state of you telling your spouse, Honey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to treat you like this. I shouldn't have said this about you. And then, and then apologize to your kids. Hey, kids, I'm sorry I treated your dad like this. I shouldn't have said this to him. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? 
We need to constantly have um, mouths that repent through confessing. But more than just, uh, more than just a, a verbal and a mental, we need hearts that confess. We need a heart that actually believes that what we did was wrong. That what we did was not only wrong against our spouse, but against the God of the universe. That, that as we sin, sin is breaking God's way for us. And, and as, we, as we break that way, we need to recognize, God, this isn't what you have for me. I'm, I'm genuinely sorry, not just with my mouth, not just with my mind, but with my heart. And lastly, repentance is change. Right? It, it doesn't work to just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you just constantly keep doing the same thing. Part of repentance is actually making a concerted effort to change. We need to change. It shows that we love. It shows that we serve. It shows that we're getting after. It's important. Grace in marriage means humbly coming under one another and saying, you know what? We've got a long way to go to get through that door. We may be on opposite sides of the room. There may be burning chairs. There may be people all over. You may have a broken leg, but you know what? We've got to forgive. We've got we to gotta apologize. We've got to say I'm sorry if we have any shot at getting there. It's super, super important. Are there things today that as you've walked in here that you need to repent of? I would say if, if it's not with your mouth, then it's with your mind, it's with your heart. We need to repent. We absolutely need to. A healthy marriage is a marriage that is full of repentance. It's full of apologies. It's full of saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I messed up here, I'm broken. I need the gospel. And display that to your kids. I need forgiveness. Lastly, looking at forgiveness. Um, as, we are, as we are being uh, repented to, we need to respond in forgiveness. But what forgiveness is, is um, it's, we're, we're going to look at um, what forgiveness isn't in order to get at what forgiveness is. First of all, we'll say that forgiveness is not dismissing the hurt or pain. It, it's not just saying, well, I don't, I don't hurt anymore. You know, if, if I come up and, you know, just, you know, punch Jeff in the throat real quick over here, and then all of a sudden say, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that, uh, he's still going to be hurting, isn't he? Like he's still going to be experiencing pain. It, uh, asking for forgiveness is not, is not saying, well, there's no pain here. It's helping one another get through that pain. It, it's not ignoring it altogether. Secondly, forgiveness is not excusing or enabling sin. It's not saying, you know, if, if, you, if you say to someone, oh, well, you're forgiven, it doesn't mean that their offense didn't occur. Right? Especially, this is especially true in any sort of abusive situation. If you, if you are on the, on the other end of being abused, just because there is repentance and there's forgiveness doesn't mean that you pretend like it's not there. It means you get the help that's necessary. That is absolutely important in terms of receiving and giving forgiveness and repentance. Lastly, forgiveness is not a one-time event. It's not something that, that you just do it once and, and that's it. Remember the 70 times 7 thing? Repentance, forgiveness is again, I forgive you again, I forgive you again, I forgive you again. If you got any shot at getting to that door, you're going to constantly, constantly need to forgive. Because we are broken people. We, we aren't in old Eden. We are in broken new world trying to get to new Eden through grace with Christ towards holiness. And there's going to be all kinds of needs for repentance, for forgiveness. And we've got to get there. If we want any shot at a healthy marriage, our marriages need to be filled with that. So I'll say today, is there an area in your marriage where you need to repent, where you need to forgive? I think sometimes we got one spouse over here who's trying to say sorry, who's trying to work it out, and the other one's just holding a grudge, just saying, I'm not going to forgive you on this. 
You know why it's so important that we be people who forgive? Because we're people who are forgiven. Right? We've said it a million times that marriage is a representation of the gospel. Marriage is a representation that you and I war against God on a daily basis. Right? Every action of every day is a constant allegiance to one kingdom or another. And half the time we're warring against God. And God says, I forgive you. 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 So we need to be a people who embrace that, who understand that, you know, if this marriage is going to work, it's got to be full of forgiveness. It's got to be full of repentance. I hope we're a church and a people who recognize that. I hope we, we don't come at this with so much pride that says, I'm never going to say it with my mouth. I occasionally might say it with my mind, and I rarely will do it with my heart. We need to be a people who are constantly doing all three, saying it with our mouth, saying it with our mind, saying it with our heart. And when we, when we, are, uh, when we are asked to forgive, that we actually forgive. And we let it go, and we give it to the Lord, and we work through what we need to work through, but together we work towards that door. So as we close here, we're going to close. We've got you know, our, our normal uh, set of songs at the end here. Communion is available. If you want it, take it. But, but take this time and, and really sift through where you are. Again, we, we looked at, at where um, we are in terms of the room in marriage, and we're all over the place. But remember, it, it doesn't matter how you came in. It doesn't matter where you are in the room. We've got one goal. It's not to argue about where you are. It's to say, honey, this is where we need to go. And in order to get there, we need to understand the truth of, of what marriage is. We need to understand that we need to be loved. We understand that I need to give love. We understand that man, there needs to be a lot of grace in this marriage. There needs to be a lot of repentance. There needs to be a lot of forgiveness. And I hope that together, through forgiveness and repentance, we can get there because I am a person who's been forgiven. I am a person who has repented in Christ. Again, forgives, 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 and together we'll get through that door. So I pray that you'd get after that this week. Let's get after the Lord and pray and uh, spend some time doing that. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God who is full of grace, who's full of truth. Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you came as, as an act of grace, an act of, of forgiveness, an act of repentance for, for us to come to you and say, God, I am sorry. I am in much need of you. And you, you came and you brought that freedom to us. You, you partner along with us through the Holy Spirit, guiding us towards the door that we need to go to. Lord, I, I pray that we're, in, we're not a people who are trying to get back to the old Eden Lord, I pray that we're not a people just chasing after something that doesn't exist. Lord, I pray that we hold on to the relationship that we have and that we together would constantly be in a state of forgiveness and repentance. Lord, I pray that we'd be uh, a church that cultivates just genuine friendships, that we um, would love our spouses and our spouses would love us. God, I pray that um, as we experience life together, that we would just enjoy one another more and more and more, and that it would be just an amazing relationship cultivated by grace and truth. Father, it's a great joy to preach your word. It's a great joy to know you and to be a part of a marriage that, that's striving towards that. And God, I thank you for the forgiveness in my life so that I can lead and love my family the way that you lead and love me. We love you. Amen.